Welcome to Ben and Jeremy's, Ohio's finest podcast. In this week's episode, we talk about Ben's eternal sadness as a Detroit sports fan, the NBA playoffs, and if hockey is too exclusive of a sport for kids to play, and how the Dallas Stars making the NHL final could change that. Hope you enjoy. Ben, talk to me about Detroit. Well, I just, I'm, I'm so sick of it. I'm so sick of it. I'm, I'm, I, I reached, I reached a breaking point because that game happened. The Lions happened where he just dropped the ball. I don't know why he dropped the ball. I turned around, like I saw him catch it. I turned around. I celebrated. It's awesome. And my dad had to be like, Ben, 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 like, stop. He dropped the ball. And I was like, I didn't believe it. I did not believe him. Like there's been like, videos that have been on barstool or whatever of people that are like celebrating other people like that was me I was celebrating and it's just I've had like I sat there and I was just angry I was just angry like I deserve better than the Lions I deserve I'm a good sports fan like I watch every game I keep up with the injuries I buy the merchandise I go to games I'm a good fan I deserve better i truly believe it the only thing i can do to compare it is like being in a relationship with an abusive boyfriend or girlfriend like i just can't stop i mean they just they do nothing good for me nothing good has happened to me because of the lions nothing when i was like when i moved to dayton and the lions made the playoffs in 2011 for the first time like ever like I was always wearing my Calvin Johnson jersey every Monday or Tuesday if they played on Monday. The day after they played, like, and they finally were good. And people kept giving me shit being like, oh, look at this bandwagon fan, all that. I'm like, I can't even be a Lions fan correctly. Like, the, like the one time in the history, I mean, since the time that I've been able to, like, understand my surroundings, I'll say, like, when I was, like, six or seven, like, they've made the playoffs three times. They've had, like, three winning seasons. Haven't even sniffed a playoff win. I deserve better. I really do. And I don't know if this is how you feel about the Indians, but I, I just deserve better. I'm a good fan. I'm just I'm reaching my breaking point. I I thought last year was my breaking point where I was just sitting there every game. I'm like, the Lions aren't good. And I had people being like, no, Ben, like this is your team. You gotta be up with them. Like they're and I'm like, they're gonna blow it. They're going to blow it. They always blow it. They always do. I'm just waiting for them to blow it. So, no, I don't think they're good. And people are like, no, no, come back. And then this year I allowed myself a little bit of hope. And I had a, I had a roller coaster of a game. And I'm, I'm just sad. In a perfect world, you would be rewarded for being, such, being so loyal to something. Um, especially in the sports world. Unfortunately, my first instinct would be like, there has to be a winner and loser. But then my next follow-up is the exact way that I feel with the Browns and Indians and Cavs. Um, obviously not. You're the- right. Jeremy, you're right. There has to be a winner and a loser. You are correct. But why is the loser always me? Well, that's exactly- why am I always the loser? Yes, that's exactly my point. Statistically, a team, just like the Browns, statistically, a team would not be that bad. A team cannot be that consistently bad and consistently embarrassing for so long. And yet they find a way. And that's 
probably the most heartbreaking thing. And I think for you, I think it hurts a little bit more when it's the Lions because you because you you know you're you're a Yankees fan for baseball, but you also follow the Tigers. Um, you follow the Red Wings. Uh, you follow the Pistons, but the NFL is your thing. Football is your thing. And so when it is the Lions, does it, do you feel like that knife just goes a little bit deeper when stuff like this happens and it's your football team? Yeah, it does. And I think it's because it's just the one that I follow the most. Um, with the baseball, I mean, I'm still a Tigers fan. And the Yankees was like, I always thought that I was a, uh, I, I was always like, all right, I'm a Derek Jeter fan. I really love Derek Jeter. And it was it was difficult as a like a kid being a Tigers fan. Because my dad's not a huge Tigers fan. He's much more of a Red Wings fan and than a Lions fan. So it was kind of easy not to be a Tigers fan, especially because they were awful until – I mean, they were just awful until I was 10. So uh, in the time the Yankees were, were, even though this is something else we'll talk about maybe later – the Yankees aren't even that good. Like, they they weren't – they're not – like, even in general. Like, in the time – like I said, since, like, call it 2000, 2001, I'll even say, they haven't been that good. Um, but the, the, the Lions just hit me so differently. My grandfather had season tickets. I've been to so many games. I, I just want them to – again, I'm not asking for much. I'm just asking for a – playoff win I'm not asking for a Super Bowl I'm not even asking for a division title I just want them to win one playoff game before I'm 30 before I'm 30 like it's been since 1992 I believe I think I know that the Bengals own the record for the longest since their last playoff win their last playoff win was either the day before the Lions won or the week before the Lions last won theirs it's just it's so unbelievably difficult where you just watch it in real time there's only 16 games so with baseball i feel like it is a slow burn and you can like you watch your team crash and burn for longer but with the lions it is so instant of i, I again uh, i'm trying to think each each again each football game is 10 baseball games. It's 10. That's a week and a half. You're feeling a week and a half of losing in one day. And for you to just never win and never be good. And it's just, they showed the graphic that the last year that they blew seven fourth quarter leads. And then in the last two years, they blew 10 fourth quarter leads right to begin the fourth quarter. I remember looking at my dad like, why did they do that? why are they taunting us it's gonna happen now it's gonna happen i mean it, it reminds me back of back in the 07 season or 08 season when we went 0 and 16 uh watching it with my dad in the first quarter we went up 17 to 0 with like three minutes left in the first quarter i think against the redskins and i looked to my dad and i go in all honesty i go it's not enough and he kind of looks at me kind of like half joking he goes you're right it's not enough and we lost that game, obviously. I mean, it's, it's you're up 17, and you look, and you're like, this isn't enough, and it's never going to be enough. We're never going to have a big enough lead for me to feel confident because I've been beaten down for so long that I have no expectations, none. You bring up a very good point about wanting to see a playoff win 
before you're 30 because <clears throat> a lot of girls and women I feel like say I want to be in a long-term relationship and be married while I'm in my prime I want to find that in my prime in my prime I want the Indians to win a World Series so that I can go to Cleveland and climb up a street light like MGK did that's what I want out of my exactly prime. that is that is one of my biggest concerns is I want the Indians or the Browns or whoever it is to get it done in my prime so that I can celebrate accordingly. And I, so it, it strikes me when you say that because I've thought about this so much about just wanting something like that here in like my mid twenties to go and be able to experience it at this time. And if it happens when I'm 50, I'm still going to climb that street light. I might have to stretch a little bit before I might have to have you help me, but I'm going to climb it. It, but I would like to do it on my own. I'm independent. I would like to do it on my own while I'm in my 20s. And it's like right now, too, with Colin and Connor living in Cleveland, without so many friends living in Cleveland, it's, you know, like, it, like I'll still do it. I'm still going to go to Detroit and go, like, do things. But it would be so different when it's like instead of having to go stay at a hotel or stay at an Airbnb, you're like, I'm going to go crash on my buddy's couch. We're going to wake up. And we're going to go see the championship Cleveland Indians. We're going to watch that parade and we're going to go nuts on a Tuesday afternoon. That's all I want. That is all I want. I just want, I want, like, I have never, like, outside of 2009 when the Red Wings won the Stanley Cup, or maybe it was 08, which was awesome. And then even to like a much lesser degree, much, 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 much lesser degree, the Yankees when they won in 09. The Yankees, I don't think I'm ever really going to be as happy as anything. I think I'll be more happy when a Tigers win because nobody I know is a Yankees fan. And it's undoubtedly more fun to celebrate something when everyone around you, like I, I'll, I will go any day of the week, go to Connor and Collins or go to my, some of my other friends who are Browns fans or Bengals fans and go watch with them. I mean, it goes like I, either I'm going to watch the Lions with my dad or I'm going to go watch the Browns and the Bengals with somebody else because it's like, again, the passion is just, it's infectious. And, you know, I, I never had that with the Yankees and I'm fine with that. And the Red Wings one was awesome. That was cool. They've been crap ever since. And I think I was, when they won it, I was like 13. Like, it's just different. And other than that, I mean, you want to throw in the 03 Pistons when I was seven? I, I don't really count that. I mean, I couldn't celebrate. and I just want to win something, and I'm cursed. I'm cursed. And, I, I mean, I'm sure you feel the same way. It's just – it's so – it just made – like, again, I just watch the Lions for three hours every week to get angry. I just get angry and depressed every – like, for three hours every week, like clockwork. One o'clock happens on Sunday. In September through December, I'm going to be angry. I'm going to be on edge and just angry. And it's just, it's not a way to spend your fall. You, you could be out enjoying some nice donuts, apple cider, frolicking through a pumpkin patch. Or you could be on your couch sweating and shoveling nachos into your face and at the and Ritz and Bits. What? And, and Ritz Bits. That can be, can be a snack food or it can be a dinner. 
and you can be yelling at the TV. And sure, is the reward for going to the apple orchard or the pumpkin patch just unbelievably wholesome happiness and just a pure moment? Nope. Or is the reward of absolutely losing your mind and celebrating a ginormous win and getting extremely drunk on a Sunday in the name of fandom? Which one, which one sounds more wholesome to you? Well, I'm going to be dead honest with you. I can't even comprehend because the second one has never happened to me, ever. Never. Not one time. Not once have I even felt okay. Like, even a little okay. Because every, like, like in the lines in my life, I, again, not my life, because when I was a baby, they had Barry Sanders, blah, 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 blah. Since I've been, when I say that, I think since 2001, they made the playoffs three times. One time they played the Saints, got rocked. All right. The second time they played the Cowboys, they got screwed. They got screwed because Brandon Pettigrew got pass interfered by a linebacker on the Cowboys. They didn't call it. We lost the game. And then the other time we played the Seahawks and we got embarrassed. I mean, it's just, they just, they like, they don't give me the chance to break my heart. I'm just, but I can't. The thing is, I can't stop. I cannot stop watching. I cannot stop being in a bad mood. I can't stop. I won't stop because, again, I, I honest to God think so. If the Lions ever win a Super Bowl, big if, I think I'm going to cry. Like, I'm going to be so happy. It's going to be a happiness that'll never reach in my life, ever. There's nothing that can compare to it because I've never felt it. And, I just, honest to God, I don't think I will. I don't think, I think the Lions are just one of those teams because like when you talk, when you, cause I listen to a lot of like national sports radio and some of them are Mets fans and Jets fans and Knicks fans. And they'll talk about it. You know, they'll do all this and that. And then Browns fans even, they'll talk about it. And, you know, I know I listen to some guy and he's a Mets fan. He says, there's nothing any fan can say that can come close to what I'm feeling with these Mets. There's nothing, especially they're like, I have the Yankees as the big brother over here. We're nothing. We're always going to be nothing. And then somebody will call in and be like, yeah, I'm a Lions fan. And he'll be like, I am so sorry. Like, I am so sorry for that. And that that's it. He's not like, I'm like, I have it harder than you. It's just, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that you're a Lions fan. Yeah, no, I, I feel the same way because when – when that day comes for the Indians or Browns, I know I'm going to cry. I'm going to let myself cry. I'm not going to hide it. I'm, I'm going to let myself cry. But again, I know it for the same reason that you do, because it's going to be something I've never experienced before. And it's going to be entirely overwhelming. And, um, you know, when, when the Cavs won, I, I think I got a little shaky voiced, but in all honesty, did, did I watch the Cavs repeat? Like, I, if somebody asked me what my favorite team was, I would say the Cavs. But did I watch the Cavs when they had Sean Livingston and C.J. Miles and Jeremy Pargo on the team? No. I watched it when they had Kevin Love and LeBron and Kyrie, and that's when I really paid attention to it. So I loved it for the city, and that's what got me shaky voiced. 
but I watched the Indians in the days of Coco Crisp and Ryan Garko and Ben Broussard and Casey Blake and early days of Cliff Lee and CC Sabathia and Ronnie Belliard playing second base. Like that was my Indians growing up. And so when that day rolls around where the Indians win the world series, I'm going to lose my mind. And, and the crazy thing is, is that you would think that by me saying that, it would mean that I cried when we lost the World Series in 2016, and I didn't. I, it was such good baseball, and one thing I'm almost as passionate about, aside from the Indians winning, is ba- the game of baseball growing and um, developing more fans and just in general picking up and becoming, I should say, more people being passionate about the sport that I love so much. So when the Indians lost, I almost couldn't cry because it was the greatest World Series I've ever watched in my life. Cleveland blew a three to one lead. They absolutely did. But it was unbelievable baseball every single time with two of the most passionate fan bases, both of whom had the longest World Series droughts in history. Starved fan bases in two blue collar, incredibly prideful cities going at it it's november it's like 45 degrees outside like it was beautiful it was poetic and and it wrapped up with game seven and i will say till my dying day that if there isn't a rain delay the indians win that world series but a rain delay all this other insane stuff going on and it just made it unbelievably compelling television and i have to believe that there were so many new baseball fans that were created that day and so that that's why I I just couldn't cry I couldn't I thought I would and I couldn't because it was the some of the best exhibition of the sport that I love so dearly I've ever witnessed in my entire life but when that day comes where they get it done I will openly cry and I I won't even try to hide it I I just can't wait for that day it's just, it's such a buildup and it's such a buildup. And I'll leave you with this because you know, we're just kind of wallowing in our own depression right now. Because my first paper I ever wrote in college, my first English paper, it was kind of like choose your own topic. And I wrote the paper about, is it harder to be a Browns fan or a Lions fan? And I remember I turned in the first draft and he kind of looked at me like, come see me in the office. I was like, yikes. Okay. This is not going to like, again, first paper, first college. Yikes. And he comes in and he goes, Ben, like, this is not a good paper. (laughs) Like, this is like a C minus, maybe a D plus paper, but I'm going to give you a B because I couldn't put it down. It was just so like compelling not well written, but compelling. And he's like, I'm going to give you a B, but you have to work with me this semester. I was like, awesome, cool. And I will leave you with my thesis. And I, it's exactly kind of what you just almost kind of said. And it's with the difference between the Indians. And I'll use the Indians and the, and the Lions. It's the Indians, you actually do have the Rocco, uh, Bill Dott, or whoever you say, Rocco. You have the Rocco years. And you have the Casey Blake years. But then you also do have the CC Sabathia years. You have, you know, the lead, you have the buildup. And you have the buildup and then you get crushed. The Lions are so far beaten into the ground, we don't even get the buildup anymore. And my whole thing was, you know, it's up to you. What's worse, getting your heart broken 
or just having absolutely zero expectations, just being completely and utterly despondent of any emotion because there is no good. There is never going to be any good. I mean, we ran out of town two of the greatest generational athletes at their position in any sport, Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson. They each retired than rather play for the Lions. Calvin Johnson still doesn't go back because they made him give back some of his signing bonus. And he's just like, I didn't like that. All right, Barry Sanders doesn't really go back to a lot of Lions things. It's just sad because everybody else gets to have these legends on their team. And 20 years later, they come back and they're honored and all that. And the Lions just treat them are like Calvin Johnson was a god to me. He was a god. He could do no wrong. I thought he was the coolest. I thought he was the best. He was the, the like the guy I was like, guy being a short, pudgy white kid. I was like, I want to be Calvin Johnson. <laughs> and it's just that's, you know, it's just that I don't know how you root. The only way you root for a team like that is because I'm an abused little puppy. And it's all I know. Well, we mentioned it a bit about three to one leads and you being an NBA guy, that was kind of the, the theme of the playoffs this past week. Can you, can you talk to me a little bit about how crazy this has been in the NBA playoffs? So we had the nuggets came back from two, three to one leads over the last two weeks. They played, I think it was Portland before that. They were down 3-1 and kind of, it was kind of, or maybe it was Utah. It might've been Utah. And it, it was Utah. And it was like kind of, you know, thanks for coming out, uh, Nuggets. You know, thanks for coming out. It's been a fun ride. And then, all right, now move along your way. And they're just scrappy. Jamal Murray is good for 30, 35 every night. Nikola Jokic, who is a hilarious, hilarious human being. Um, earlier last week because he's like he's an he is an excellent passer he might be one of the best passers in the ml in the nba and he's seven feet tall and he plays center and they one of the one of the things he's really good at is grabbing a rebound and immediately throwing it up court for an outlet pass and they asked him like why are you so like how are you so good at this and his response is well i'm fat i don't like to run but so i can throw the ball you know faster than i can run i mean that was essentially it and I thought the Clippers, the Clippers had the exact problem of as why, like, I think I could be an NBA GM because I can do it on 2K. And it's because chemistry, like, didn't matter to them. And it was Lou Will, I think, came out afterwards. And he was just like, you know, we had all the talent, but we didn't have all the chemistry. And that's why we lost. And, you know, you get Kawhi Leonard. And Kawhi Leonard was, Kawhi Leonard was good. But you can't be mentioned in the same breath as LeBron when you play like that, when you put up 16 points. Like, again, LeBron will never live down for the longest he lives that game against the Mavericks back in 2011. We still talk about it. He will never live it down. Kawhi had a whole series basically like that. He just wasn't great. Um, Paul George was flat out awful. And he stunk. And the Clippers beat him. The Clippers now are, or I'm sorry, the Nuggets beat them. The Nuggets flat out beat them. The Nuggets are scrappy. Um, I like. I think the Nuggets are exciting. I love them. I, th I think Jamal Murray is awesome because I think that they're, they remind me 
in a way, very, very different, but they remind me in a way of the early 2000s Pistons. And in that, I mean, they don't have a single star. Like, it'll, like yeah, Jokic. Jokic would be the closest thing. But, again, if, you, if I were to give them 2K ratings, i put them all at around 90. Maybe Jokic is like a 91. Jamal Murray might be like an 87. You just have a bunch of these guys that are, you would think, oh, he's, he's like, he's the second banana. All of them are second bananas. They have like three or four second bananas and they're just plowing through the rest of the NBA right now. And I love it because they're scrappy. And are they going to beat the Lakers? No, no, they're not going to beat the Lakers. But also I I said that against the Clippers. So who knows? Um, And then on the other side, you have, Toronto and the Heat. I'm not sorry. Then you have the Celtics and the Heat. And that's going to be the scrappiest, doggiest uh, conference finals I've seen in so long. Only for the winner to get the crap kicked out of them by the Lakers. I think the Lakers are going to storm. I think that they're going to, like, I think it'd be really funny because they lost the first game against Portland and they lost it against. Uh, who they just beat? Whoever they just beat, they also lost the first game. The Rockets. They just beat the who stink, by the way. Who stink? Um, I just think I hope they lose the first game of every series and the gentlemen sweep it out. I think that'd be funny. Um, you got the Heat and the Celtics. I, I, I think that Jimmy Butler is like he is a frothing Rottweiler that you just let loose, and it's like. I don't know what to do with this guy. He is dominating. He is doing everything on both sides of the, the ball. The, again, both of those teams also, I'd say more of the heat remind me also of those early 2000s Pistons, where you have Jimmy Butler, who's kind of, like I guess, would be Tayshaun Prince, or not Tayshaun, would be um, Chauncey Billups. And then you have Bam Adebayo, who I guess would be Sheed, or actually Bam Adebayo might be Ben Wallace, where, again, you have these guys that are like, I give them a 90 overall rating, like 90 and below. They don't have that first team all NBA guy. They don't even have that really second team all NBA guy. They might have three, four all-stars, but they're all kind of bottom of the bench all-stars who just love to play together, love to play together. You can see it. And I think the Heat also did a really good job of getting carbon copies of certain players. And I mean that in, you know, they have Bam at a bio. What does he do? Great defense, rebound, dunks. His backup, Derek Jones, defense, rebound, dunks. Power forward, uh, Kelly Olynyk. You know, he, I mean, he just doesn't do much. Beyond that, then you kind of have Myers Leonard, who gets a little bit of time, does the same thing. At the three, you got Jimmy Butler. His backup is, um, is Jamison Crowder, who just plays rampant defense. Kind of, kind of what Jimmy Butler does. At the two, you have Duncan Robinson and Tyler Harrow, who might as well be the same person. Um, and then at the point guard, you have Kendrick Nunn and Goran Dragic. That one is a little different, but you just you get to play the same system every time you get to court. It's not where because a lot of teams struggle with because it's hard to have a bench. It's really hard to have a bench, and it's hard to be able to say, look. Again, if, if you have two units, it's very easy to fall in the trap of we're going to play two different types of basketball. We're going to play – a lot of times they'll have like, – we are, we got our first team out there, and that's when we're going to score. And the second team, we just want you to hold the floodgates from spilling over. And they do a good job 
of the opposite of that. I think in the first and third quarter, the Heat last, they had two of the worst quarters I've seen in a long time. I know the third quarter, I think they scored 16 points. And in the first quarter, minus the last like two minutes, they had the worst three-point shooting quarter I've seen in so long. But they dominated the second and the fourth quarter. And that resulted in a win. Um, my, I think it'd be cool to have this. I think the NBA is not going to let the Heat make it to the finals. I think this is another rig. I think it's going to be LA Celtics because they need they need the revenue. So that's my pick. I got Lakers in five, and then I got Celtics in six. You don't think having Jimmy Butler and Tyler Tyler Hero would be like good ratings to go up against LeBron in the in the finals? It's not that it's bad ratings. It's it's just it's not Lakers Celtics. It's I mean, Lakers-Celtics is is New York-Boston. I mean, it is one of the biggest rivalries in sports that it does not matter. There are There's a whole generation. I mean, uh, probably our dad. My dad doesn't really watch basketball that much, but if he's like, it's the Lakers and the Celtics in the NBA Finals, who he hates both of those teams, he goes, but I might watch. I mean, it's it's one of those things that it, you like. it doesn't mean a lot to you and I, but it, that used to really mean something. I think they played in the finals maybe 10 times. I mean, they played in the 60s a lot. I mean, basically the entire decade. And then we know in the 80s, Magic and Bird. Uh, and then you had that little, I mean, you forget Kobe played the Celtics twice in a row. I mean, when it comes down to Lakers Celtics, for a lot of people that maybe might be casual fans, it's much watch TV. So yeah, that will get better ratings than the Heat. It doesn't really matter, to be honest with you, who is on the teams. Lakers, Celtics, and an NBA Finals is going to get monster ratings. That's going to be super exciting. And I know something that got monster ratings and what we were going to talk about, something that bigger ratings is really, really going to help grow the sport and I know you disagree with it but talking about the Dallas Stars and sliding their way into the Stanley Cup finals great attention on them and my opinion is the Dallas Stars making it to the Stanley Cup final is good for the sport and good for the growth of the sport in the south and when I texted you that as one of our topics you fundamentally disagreed with it and I want to hear your reasoning to that it's not okay. I, I need to amend it a little bit. It's not quite that I disagree uh, with what you did with the statement that you said that it'll help grow the, the the sport in the South. I just think that that's an unwinnable battle. Um, I think that, that again, that's saying again, we're a Tahitian a Tahitian army going up against the Soviets, and we took back one island. But it's like, but the Soviets are coming, dude. We have no shot. And I, I've been saying for years that I understand why the NHL went to Seattle, but I thought it should not be an expansion team. I thought that a team should move. Um, again, Florida Panthers, they shouldn't be in Florida. They shouldn't be in Florida. I don't even really think they should be in Tampa Bay because, because Tampa Bay, because the Lightning are good, there's some attention. Look at the Rays. The Rays don't put anybody in the stands, and that's baseball. That's a Southern sport. It's a Florida sport. Um, you look at the Phoenix Coyotes. 
I mean, get out of here. Absolutely get out of here. They do not deserve to have a team. I'm looking at this right now, and this is, it seems a little fugazi, whatever, but this is ranking the brands of uh, hockey teams. And in the Southern ones, I will tell you, and I, I said Southern, I went all around. I basically went south of Columbus, kind of, around whatever. You got the Florida Panthers are 25th, the Carolina Hurricanes 27th, the Coyotes 25th, tied. Predators 21, Ducks 20. The only two, and it's because they've been good as of late, you have the Stars at 15 and the Lightning at 14. All right. They, the South does not care about hockey unless their team that's in their city is doing well. That's it. That is all that they care about. I think that people that go to hockey games love hockey. And I think it's awesome. I would love to grow the sport. The problem with that I see it is it's just you're, you're fighting a battle that can't be won. And I don't think Texas will ever, ever, even remotely be considered any sort of hockey place at all. I mean, just whatsoever. I mean, it's a big city. So, yeah, but I remember when they, they opened up the Florida Panthers. Uh, I'm trying to remember back when, but it was in the 90s. And one of their big reasons as to why to put a team in Florida is because of all the retirees from up north. And that's the, like, they're like, that's, that was one of the selling points. They're like, look at all of these northern retired people that are down there and we can give them something to do. And it's like, that, from a business, like, that makes sense. That isn't a horrible argument. But for growth of the game, you're like, we're, yeah, we're going to capture this 70 year old North, like, snowbird audience. I just don't see it. I really don't see it. Um, and I, I mean, yeah, it's not bad for the game, but I just, like I said, I think it's an unwinnable war. I think your analogy of it being a, ba a smaller battle in the grand scheme of a much bigger war was incredibly accurate and very, and very um, persuasive, actually, in my opinion. Um, I, I'm all for finding new pockets where you can develop fans, but I have to agree that if you are looking for an easier route or maybe a, a larger haul right off the bat, it sounds like by your reasoning um, and the way that I understand it and the way that I, I kind of agree with it is that you would much rather add another team or two in say Canada or some other Northern large cities, although most of them already have hockey teams, you would almost rather add another team up there than start one down South because that fandom is more prevalent up there overall. And like you said, you know, how many people are living out here in Lubbock that are diehard Stars fans? Because most people here in, at Texas Tech and affiliated with the school are from Dallas area. So if they're Stars fans, it's because they're repping their city. But if you get into the areas like Houston, El Paso, how, how many hockey fans in general are going to be there aside from ones that are like, yeah, the Stars are, are Texas's team. So yeah, we, we root for them. But when you're up north, you know, you've got passionate fandom about the minor league teams. And so if you're going to toss an NHL team up there, I feel like if you're looking for a larger haul, 
it's going to work better for you if you go up north. And if you're looking for a fresh niche, a fresh niche, then that you are willing to grow over the long term and really, really try to expand the sport to a new region, then then down south is the way to go. I think you're you're a hundred percent correct. I mean, it, this is all. I would say this is all theory. It's, I mean, because it's one of those things, there's nothing what you said is wrong. There's nothing that you said was incorrect, including the text that you said about the doubt. I mean, I, like, I disagree with it, but it, it, there's nothing bad about it. And if you're a business, like, you should be doing this. Because I, I had a thought, and then I just looked it up, and then I thought, oh, well, here's why they don't do it. Because my thought would be, all right, look, Canada is clearly hockey starved. I mean, they cannot get enough of it. So I think, so I looked up and I pulled up a list of the biggest, um, biggest Canadian cities and one, two, three, the first seven have hockey teams. And then I looked at the next one and I would go Quebec city and I go, okay, Quebec city could probably get a team. They probably could. They're a, a little smaller than about what Columbus is. So, I mean, they're right about the right size. And then I look at the next three. And the next three are all in Ontario. I know Hamilton has almost 700,000 people. And I go, my first thought was give a team to Hamilton, Ontario. And then I thought, wait. And they can't do that. They really can't put another team in Ontario. They just can't. It's the exact reason why you don't put an NFL team in Columbus, Ohio, is because there's already something there. Everybody in Columbus is either already a Browns fan or already a Bengals fan or a Buckeyes fan. Everybody in Ontario is either, well, they're all all Maple Leafs fans or they're Ottawa Senators fans. There is no new market that you could go into because they already are fans. And that is one thing, I I mean, again, the idea behind expanding is let's capture new fans. Let's get this pocket of people that don't have a team and let's give them a team. And it's going to make you money. But I know that, again, the Phoenix Coyotes didn't have an owner for a few years. Florida Panthers, I don't know if they had an owner for a few years. It just, it's one of those things where you're spread so thin down there. And you make all your money up north. I mean, that's where all the fans are. Because I think it's true. Like, the true, like, test of fandom is, like, again, your team's awful. What are you doing? The, the Red Wings are still doing fine. Like, they're still as supported. I mean, and they're terrible. And not everybody can be the Red Wings. That's fine. Um, I, but again, I'm getting off track. To get back, like you said, I don't, like you said, I don't disagree. I think... Dallas being in the Stanley Cup Finals is not a bad thing. Um, but I just – and I would love it if that there are some people down in Texas, if there is some eight-year-old kid now that is going to – like he's going to be able to – but the thing is right now they're not even going to be able to go see the game, which I think that they should – I think that's what they should do. I think they should play the Stanley Cup Finals outside the bubble in the, the arenas. Um and I just think that maybe there is an eight-year-old kid that say, hey, no, I don't want to play football. I want to play hockey. And I remember, what was it? There was some guy on Miami's hockey team our freshman year, and he was from Texas. I thought that was actually pretty cool. And there are, there are pockets. There really are pockets. I can't say that there are no hockey players in Texas because there are. And there are clearly some really good ones. 
but I, I just don't think down south hockey is ever going to get the best athletes ever. We're never going to get the best athletes to go play hockey down in Texas. In Canada, the best athletes play uh, hockey. Uh, up in Detroit, sometimes the best athletes play hockey. I just don't see that happening in Texas. I think that's a great point. And I think what you bring up about the eight-year-old kid that's down here and possibly wanting to go play hockey is if you want to grow the sport down there, the NHL can do kind of, you know, I'm, I'm going to equate this in, in a loose way to what Major League Baseball does with their RBI initiative in inner cities. And they're trying to grow the sport again in inner cities and try to pick up more kids that are going to be passionate about baseball. And so what the NHL can do, if they want to grow that and get those next, that next wave of eight-year-old kids to want to play hockey, they could do similar programs, but at the end of the day, most giant cities in America have, whether it be North or South, have a major league baseball team. Uh, these, the major league baseball teams are all located in large cities. And that's the problem with the NHL is that those teams are up North. So if you want to build hockey down South, the NHL could certainly send and create youth programs down south but how you're going to build it is for a kid to get to grow up and root for their team for their nearby team and you're not going to get that if you don't have a team except for 12 hours away you're just not going to get that and so i think you're entirely right if if the nhl and i think that like you said i think that is the general sports expansion team mindset is we want to find a new pocket because you could never put another baseball or basketball or hockey or honestly any sport really in New York or Boston because that is dead set those fandoms are dead set could you get like a little niche that wants to be the rebels and and root for a new team up there yeah maybe but as in the long term it's a horrible idea. So the expansion mindset is certainly to find pockets. Seattle with the NHL is a little bit of a more unique one because they have history there. But if you want, if you want a truly new pocket, I think that's typically what sports expansions want to do is they'll, they'll search for those because every year, you know, like, like we talked about wherever the NHL was talking about expansion for the last like decade, the one that kept popping up was Seattle because of the history. And, and so those will always be near the top of the candidates for cities for expansion, but right beneath them is going to be, are going to be the ones that are out there for new ground, breaking new ground out there, entirely new ground. And for a sport like hockey, it's very heavily weighted in the North. And so if you want to truly build not just a fandom, but build a generation of kids that are going to want to play hockey. I personally think that you need to have a team down there and and Dallas and the stars are now, do you put a second team in Texas? That that's a bold move if you want to put one in Houston, but if you want to grow that sport down South, you're going to have to have a team down South. You, you, like I said, you, you could start youth programs. You can, you can try all these different initiatives and those will have an impact. But at the end of the day, a kid is going to fall in love with the sport when he grows up seeing he or she, he or she, he or she grows up watching their hometown team 
do it. I mean, how many athletes do you see talk about they fell in love with their sport, watching their hometown team win or watching the stud athlete that their hometown team or somebody that's a couple hours away, because you could be somebody that lives in Columbus and you grew up watching the Browns or Bengals, each of those two hours away. So, you know, it doesn't have to be in your city, but how many kids fall in love with sports, watching the teams in their state that they grew up rooting for. And, and I think that's, if you truly, truly want to grow the sport of hockey, um, you're going to need to do it with a nearby team. And you can find, you, you could supply the NHL, no question. You could supply the NHL with all the talent that it needs to be great with strictly Canadians and North and people from Northern parts of America. Like, yeah. And you could be great. I mean, shoot, look at, you know, look at Miami's team, Miami's team, you know, outside of the occasional kid they had from Europe, but almost the entire team was Canada, Michigan, Ohio. You'd get Wisconsin, Minnesota. Um, you'd get the occasional kid from over around New York area. Like that's where you get that talent. But I think the mindset, if you want to truly grow a sport, is you want to see, like you said, those first couple kids from Texas truly break in to the NHL. You want to see those kids from Birmingham, Alabama, break into the NHL. And you want to see these kids for, you want to see an NHL player that it pops up and it says he's from Mississippi. And you're like, what the hell? This guy's from Mississippi and he's in the NHL. I think that's the ultimate goal of, of building the sport and trying to put teams nearby that are going to make those kids passionate about that sport from a, from an early age. I agree. And there's an elephant in the room when it comes to hockey and it's always the elephant in the room. And the elephant in the room is it's expensive to play hockey. I, I'm looking at it right now. And this is a survey from 2016. And he said, on average, you're going to hockey is going to cost parents per person, $7,000 a year. Compare that to football, $2,700 a year. All right, compare it to baseball, $4,000 a year. Now compare that to basketball, $1,100 a year. Okay, ice time is expensive. If you ever, I don't know if you had a hockey team in high school, but it's like mine, they probably practiced at 5 a.m. Practice started at 5 a.m., that's when ice time was available and it costs i'm looking at it right now according cost of hockey ice time is can range from 200 to 700 dollars an hour just to secure your ice time and when you're up north you have a little bit of pond hockey which can help and you know it's a cheaper option or whatnot but that's a big elephant in the room um if you're because there's think about football and basketball how much talent comes from the inner city there's so much talent that comes from the inner city and you're just right off the bat. You are almost entirely eliminating the inner city because they can't afford it. I mean, you're going to, if I'm a parent who might be a little stricken for cash and I see Hey, basketball is 1100 hockey, is 7,000 go start dribbling. And it's just, it is, it's a harsh reality. And like you said, they need to start going into the inner city. But it just the difference with it is is with between baseball, hockey, basketball, football, is when you play baseball, if you give him a bat, he can use the bat, and he can go to the field and he can use the bat and the glove. You give him a basketball, he can play anywhere. Pads, he'll be fine for a while. 
with hockey, you give him a stick, he still has to pay $200 for the ice time. And that's what makes it so difficult. Um, the pockets, I know my dad, when he was playing junior hockey and all that, what he said were there were pockets. There are definitely pockets in the United States, and, they're, and they are not equal. He said that when because he played Detroit hockey, he said the only team, if he looked at the schedule for the tournament coming back, back up, and, then, and this is the 80s, so it may, may probably has changed since then. He said, unless you were from – and it's not because his team, he was like, our team was the best in Detroit, but some gave us fits. Unless you were from Detroit, Toronto, Canada, Minnesota, we didn't really play them that much, but if you were from Minnesota, and then a few teams from Boston. Other than that, we did not care who you were because we were going to beat you. And that's just where the pockets are. I mean, some people like Buffalo. My dad would be like, yeah, every fifth year, there might be a single team from Buffalo that could compete. There's only these certain pockets that really actually care about youth hockey. And they're crazy about it. Minnesota, South Dakota are nuts for hockey. And it doesn't have to get nuts down in Texas. It doesn't. It really does not because you have the benefit of volume. Down in Texas, there's a lot of people. And again, you get, you're going to get these athletes. You're going to get, there are a lot, there are, there are a lot of people in Texas. There's a lot of cities that are a lot of suburbs where they have the money to do it and they have the ice time. And if you can get them going and you can get them drumming up interest, it really can explode anywhere. Because you ask, like, there was, I remember a couple of years ago, I think it was, this might have been four or five years ago, and you might, you probably do remember this, Jeremy. There was that guy, and I believe it was the Predators. And something along the lines of like, I, I don't know, like he was like, I think my, whatever, my cables, I can't find my, my remote and ho- there's a hockey game on. So I guess I'm watching hockey. And he just started live tweeting it. And he was like, this is awesome. This is sick. He's like, they're just hitting each other. It's like, he's like, I don't really know what happened. The red light went off and they got a point. He, he put the, I guess the puck in the net. It was the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. And I think it was Nashville. They like were like they invited him to the next playoff game, and he got to watch it live. And he was like, "This is the coolest thing ever." Uh, Lauren took me to a game a couple years ago, and she had never been to a hockey game. I don't even think she'd been to a Miami hockey game, and she was she loved it. She loved it for the fights, and she loved it for the, like the quick spurts of action. But that's what hockey will do to you if you go to a hockey game. Um, I say my dad still says that he thinks that Miami, the Miami hockey game we saw against North Dakota our freshman year, when one versus two, he goes, that may have been the best hockey game environment I've ever been to, just because everybody was so into it. It's a college crowd. I mean, he, and he's gone. He what was on? He was in the in the stadium when they won the cup in '97. For the first time they won the cup in 30 years or more, and he said that Miami game may have been almost better. Uh, it wasn't as rewarding. He says, not even close, but there's an environment. People love hockey once they give it a shot. And it's hard to get people to really give it a shot because it's also true that, again, I don't watch, I love hockey. I don't watch regular season hockey. My dad loves nothing more than hockey. Like in this world, he loves hockey so much. I mean, he played it. He kept playing it up until a few years ago until he literally like, tore every ligament in his ankle and tore his Achilles. And then he's like, okay, it might be time to like hang it up. Might be. And now he's like every, he's still kind of is like, I still would love to go play again. 
and he doesn't watch regular season hockey because it's so different. There's nothing as good as playoff hockey, but regular season hockey isn't that good. It's not great because they don't play as hard because they don't have to, if that makes any sense. It's um, they, they need to save their legs for the, for the games that matter. And it's more so than in basketball. It's more so than in baseball. Um, more so than in football. So I don't really know. I just kind of want to rant, but I, I love hockey. I want it to grow. I want to give it to everybody. But to me, I think the South is – I think what we're at in the South is when you're, when, the, when your team is good, you're going to be interested. When they're not good, nobody's going to care about hockey. Yeah. What I was going to say is, and I'm going to make a very dramatic example, is I think hockey might be one of, one of if not the most exclusive sports in America. When, when you're talking about the, the sheer cost of simply getting ice time. Because if you truly want to be great at any sport, any sport, and, and here's, here's my dramatic example. If you want to be great at something that you would consider like very – exclusive fencing for example you can practice fencing by yourself without going somewhere you could you could work on that footwork and you could work on your strikes and your motion and things like that but if you got a hockey stick and you took a thousand slap shots a day every single day but you could never afford to step on the ice you're a worthless hockey player it doesn't matter because that's, that's critical to the sport. You need to be able to skate. And so. And, and, to go, and to go off your point, again, I don't want to interrupt you too much, but like with the difference with like with fencing and all that, you could be awesome and great, but in order to get to a certain level, you also have to play against people who are awesome and great. And like, again, like you said, exactly where your point is going to go. How do you, you got to translate it and you have to show it up against other great players and people go on. Sorry. No, I was, I was just going to say, I am pretty sure. And I don't know this for a fact, but I'm pretty sure Texas tech used to have a club hockey team. here. And obviously at Miami, the club hockey team, there was, you know, I had, I had some friends that were on that club hockey team at Miami that, that were studs in high school and, and they go play on the club team at Miami. And it's a very, very good club team, like going to nationals and stuff. Uh, but at Texas Tech, the club team here, they had to drive at least an hour. I can't remember how much it was, at least an hour to get to the closest ice arena. So, you know, you, you look up north and you've got, you've got cities with multiple ice arenas in it. And so it, it just comes down to accessibility. And it's such an incredibly exclusive sport. And a lot of things that people bring up right off the bat is like, oh, the equipment is expensive. Yeah, of course it's expensive. It, it, you wear a crap ton of equipment in hockey. I mean, shoot, you, you wear as much as, as much as football players do. But the thing about hockey is that the ice time and just the ability to, like, even get a practice is costing you a lot of money. And it's making, it's making the accessibility of the sport so incredibly difficult. And if you're a parent, if you're a parent, like, you know, the parent that I'm going to be, and I'm sure the parent that you're going to be, is when you want your kid to develop life skills through sports, if you're a parent that wants to do that, 
sure, you're going to want them to be involved in whatever they're interested in. But I would have to think that hockey, more than almost anything, with just how expensive it is, is one of the first to be crossed off the list. Because I know my parents made significant sacrifices for me to be able to play baseball, whether it be the travel ball costs, equipment costs. And there's not even really that much equipment for baseball if you think about it. I mean, you got to get your pants. You got to get, you know, I'm sure most teams either give you a jersey or sometimes they make you pay for it. But bats growing up were a couple hundred bucks. Gloves were a couple hundred bucks. But at the end of the day, you could get a cheaper bat. You could get a cheaper glove. But what you can't get is a cheaper ice time. It doesn't exist. Ice time is expensive. And that's what makes the sport just so incredibly exclusive. And so, you know, hopefully as, as the sport expands south, it becomes less exclusive down here. Because like you said, up north, when cities have just several ice arenas, available every every high school up there is going to have a hockey team and you're going to have youth hockey teams a ton of them around you're going to have rec leagues you're going to have all this stuff down south there's a collegiate club team here at texas tech that ceased to exist because they couldn't afford driving far enough or driving that distance to get to the nearest ice house and so as you start to grow that fandom down here that's why i think it's so important to have teams down here in the south as well not only teams but winning teams teams that are able to win because that leads to more fandom it leads to oh okay if we build this this fandom and there's more people going to games there's more people that are interested um maybe there's a little demand here for a youth league and what a youth league once you get enough you get enough cycles of youth players through there it's like dang uh well, we've got this ice arena. Maybe we should look into starting a couple high school teams around here because there's a lot of youth players coming through here now and it builds and builds and builds. And that's how you end up with kids on a Miami, Ohio hockey team that are from Texas. And that's how you end up with kids, not only in Ohio, but kids that could play up in Canada at a very high level. And you look at it and you're like, that kid's from Dallas or that kid's from Houston. That's pretty crazy because he's on a roster full of other kids from North Dakota and Minnesota and Wisconsin and spread throughout Canada. You got a kid from Dallas, Texas, and that's where it starts is the ability to build that interest. And so I think it's a net benefit. And I know you don't strictly disagree with the fact that the stars being in the Stanley cup final are a net benefit, but you know, it, it's an interesting thing. And, and I don't think the stars being in this one Stanley cup final is going to be any sort of incredible catalyst for the sport. And you're going to see all of these youth league pops up, youth leagues pop up and stuff like that. But it's the, it's, it's a contributor to what eventually will be inevitably, I think the growth of the sport. I agree. Now. I agree. And just to add one final point in that, Maybe this is a discouraging point. I don't know. I think of it as giving even more props to the kid from Texas who made it on Miami. And it's that my one of my best friends, Michael Powers, has a little brother. And my, Michael, his little brother kind of grew up in North Dakota. I think he moved there when he was like seven. So, and, you know, they played hockey. So he went up there and he picked up hockey. And he's pretty good. I, I, like, he's pretty good, uh, especially for how late he picked it up. 
and he was going to be playing up in North Dakota for a call. I think it was a triple A team up in North Dakota, maybe double A team, whatever, a good team. And then they moved back to Ohio and he is playing on a team and it's just, he's so much better than everybody on the ice. He's just so much better. So then he goes and he's like, all right, well, I need to now, I need like, I need to find the elite. So the elite team around this area, not just like the good team. Cause he was like in a good league. He may not have been in like the elite elite league of North Dakota, but he was in a really good league. So he came back to Ohio and he's in a really good league and he's leaps and bounds better than everybody. So you go and try to go to this elite, elite team. And it's like, okay, well, these are actually like, or is he one of the 25, I'm calling it 20, is he one of the 25 best kids in Ohio at hockey? And it's like, okay, maybe he's like, that. it's like, that's the jump. Like, there's a whole midsection of youth hockey that's missing in a place as north as Ohio. In so, like, south of Columbus, that's all you have is that's, that's it. So, you know, is he one of the, you know, is he one of the best 25 hockey players at age 12 13 south of columbus okay i don't again i don't know if i'd go that far i haven't really seen him play that much but is he better than what the league he's in yeah there's no doubt and that's what that middle class i'll call it is what is so difficult to build and it's so difficult for somebody in um texas to have that and i mean because the elite it, it with now, with the way scouting is gone, if you're really, 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 really that good, they're going to find you with social media and everything. I mean, that's why in baseball, it doesn't really surprise me when a guy from community college gets drafted. They're going to find you. Like, he, like, oh, he played Juco ball last year. Yeah, th- like, they know. Like, he's going to be good. It's just – but it is difficult for a guy from Texas because you to prove yourself, you can't just be like, oh, he's this, he's on this elite Texas team. Uh, let's see like you know he's that good on that team it's like no no no. the steps aren't you do that you play against the teams from up north and then like oh he's holding his own with them it's not even like oh he's dominating them it's oh he can hold his own with the north dakota we'll put him on the list he's on the list guess what he's in that recruiting class and the guy the kid from dallas had to do so much he had to drag his again elite team from texas to whatever place and he then had to show up and beat or play with the northern teams who they're, they're just good. I mean, it's like it's like a D2 school. You have a star D2 player, and he's going to drag them and drag them to call it the championship. And in the championship, you get to play Alabama. That's your reward. You know, you get to be, you get to be the 16 seed. They get to go get the crap kicked out of them by Duke. Um, but somehow, you know what? I found the perfect, perfect example. Lehigh, back in like early 2010s or whatever, they were a 15 seed and they got to play Duke. They fought tooth and nail. They won the conference tournament and they got to play Duke as the 15 seed and, you know, presumably get the crap kicked out of them. They were led by a man named CJ McCollum who balled out. And then he went on the NBA and now he's an all star. The chances of C.J. McCollum being found at Lehigh are low. The chances of the kid from Texas that made it to Miami is pretty low. You have to really, really play well and really ball out. And I give props to both of them for standing out that much. 
Um, I hope to see, like you said, I hope to see a kid that's like, hey, yeah, he was just drafted fifth overall, and he's from Birmingham, Alabama. Um, I didn't even, you know, you'll get the, the announcer going, oh, I didn't even know they had ice down there, you know, blah, blah, blah. But that, that would be really cool. It would be really cool to see some Southern players because it adds a whole dynamic of a person. I feel like in, in, the, in the NHL, there's a lot of the same person in the league. I mean, there's like a hockey guy. I mean, you think of like, like there is no like, oh, football guy. There is no like bait, like basketball personality per se. There are baseball personalities and there are hockey personalities. Find someone different and you shove them in there and it's like, okay, this is game changer.